wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. This is Joe Witten from Quirky Cooking. And this is Fuad Kassab from thefoodblog.com.au. And we have today with us Lucy. Do you want to introduce I was Lucy? To say that one. I know, but you didn't say it, so I thought I'd better say it. <laughs> oh my god, it's so embarrassing! This podcast starting off on a, on a I love it. already. It's, no, it's do you know so what? It's it's real. It's real. I love yeah, it. Right, we'll keep, let's keep it real. Yeah. We've already recorded the intro seventeen times, so maybe this very, time will be all right. We'll just accept very, this fault and move on. We're not very this good at professional, very, so let's very just be real. podcast for me. Okay. I'm actually yes. not. Yeah, no, it's it's all good. It's fun. <laughs> so Lucy Lichtenstein is a personal friend of mine. Uh, I've known Lucy for how long now, Lucy? How, how long has it been? Three, four um, years? More? I, think, I think it's about four years, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lucy and I met uh, at a paleo meetup many, many years ago when I was working in the city, and we ended up sitting next to each other at a Korean barbecue, and we started talking, and it felt like we were talking to ourselves, basically, and it was just like the weirdest thing we've had. We've had very similar journeys coming to the ancestral way of uh, living and eating, and uh, we've been friends ever since, and uh, Lucy is a blogger from a blog called reconnected.me, which is an amazing name, by the way, Lucy. Like, that's a great name for a blog. But Tell friends. them who came up with that for a while. Uh, <laughs> some, some, some genius, of course. Oh, had to have been you then, eh? Yeah, <laughs> someone that knows me too well, I think. <laughs> and and uh, Lucy's been uh, blogging about health and nutrition from an ancestral perspective on her blog. And she's uh, here to talk to us today about the topic of sleep because she's had a few amazing blog posts about uh, sleep and the practice of sleep. And uh, we thought it would be an amazing opportunity for us to talk about this topic. We haven't covered it before on the podcast and we wanted to talk to, about sleep because we all know that it's important, but we there's so much that we don't know about it. And Lucy has spent many, many years looking into this, and we want to pick her brain. So, we hi, Lucy. Hi, Lucy. Hey, guys. Hi. Thanks for having me. We've had a few questions on sleep in the um, Quirky Cooking for Gut Health group lately, and I promised I would find someone who could do a podcast on sleep. So, this is perfect. Oh, lovely. So, yeah. Do you want to give us a little bit of your background and um, tell us your story first, Lucy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, growing up, I, I grew up here in Sydney and health and health issues have been on my radar for a while now. So the longer than I've been alive, um, you know, both my parents have had autoimmune conditions. So dad had type 1 diabetes and mum has lupus um, and I've always had a love for food as well so I've done a lot of traveling over the years and I've always like immersed myself in food cultures around the world everywhere I went um, but it wasn't really until around about 2009 or so where my consciousness towards food as it relates to health really became um, you know apparent and, and a really big interest um, so I basically spent a year as part of a volunteer program um, that involved spending six months in, in Europe over in Denmark and then doing some social work there with some um, some troubled teenagers. And then the second part of that was working um, six months in Southern Africa in Malawi. Um, and I was doing development work there with people in communities and, and preschools and things like that. Um, 
And so I kind of found a common theme in terms of food and nutrition in both of those places where I hadn't really thought about it so much before. So whilst being around, um, you know, the socially troubled teenagers in Denmark and then working in the communities in Malawi, what really stood out to me was how poor the nutrition was in both places. Mm. So, for example, in in Denmark, um, the kids would have, you know, cigarettes and Coca-Cola for breakfast and and then there was a lot of, you know, pastries and cakes and bread products and, um, Sounds like a long-hard yeah. breakfast, though. Like a- oh, I know, I know. Well, yeah. So not the <laughs> traditional, a- not the yeah. traditional no. fish anymore, huh? No, no. And look, I'm sure there's a lot of that, but where I was, there there wasn't so much of that at all. And okay. uh, in Malawi, so they they basically had something called ensema, which is just a, a concoction made out of maize flour and water. So it's not really very nutritious and that was, was everywhere because it was a staple on their diet. And, yeah. um, you know, and, and in the in the city areas due to a lot of the Western influences, you know, you'd see local people selling, um, you know, the beautiful vegetables and fruits from their gardens at the local markets. But then what they do was spend that money on sugary drinks and mm. processed food and bread products and, you know, so it was – it was really eye-opening and sort of just made me think a lot about um, food and nutrition and I realised how much it affected me and um, I think this is really where my my interest in nutrition sparked. Um, so it was during this one year that with all of the work that I was doing, um, I actually had a lot of time in between to think about what I wanted to do, you know, with my life and I actually decided to look into studying nutrition and come back home to Sydney and um, after I'd finished up with that experience. And so... Um, fast forward a little and, yeah, I, I studied nutritional medicine at college in Sydney and um, while I was studying I also actually came across the world of podcasts back in around 2011 and this actually you were early. Up, Yeah, yeah, like really, yeah. I've been listening to them for years. So, yeah. um, and, That's you know, one of the I, common things that Lucy and I were talking mm. uh, about first meetup is actually we're listening to the same podcast back okay. then. Okay, yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, it was, Absolutely. Uh, really, a few, yeah, a few less paleo podcasts around back then, though, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, oh, just de- a handful. De- definitely, definitely yeah. yeah. Not many. Um, yeah, and this opened up a whole new world of education and thinking for me, and it actually made me question, you know, some of the things that I was learning at college. And actually, funnily enough, one of the first first podcasts I ever listened to was The Wellness Guys. Oh, there you um, go. And I started listening to them from day, day one. So, um, and their second ever episode where they debunked the food pyramid, that was like a real game changer for me because awesome. I, I remember getting to the end of the episode and thinking, how come they didn't mention that we need to eat healthy whole grains to be healthy? I was like, <laughs> what? You know, because this is what we've, we've been taught for so long. Yeah. And, um, you know, it really, it really got me thinking. And I even went as far as to write them an email and say, you know, how much I love that episode, but how come you didn't mention healthy whole grains as part of a healthy <laughs> diet? And it was funny. So Damien actually wrote back very kindly and just said, set me straight. And he kind of just said, you know, they weren't necessarily necessary to be healthy and that, you know, some options were better than others. And mm. and then that kind of led me to, um, I started to hear about paleo as well on the wellness guys. That's where I actually heard about it properly. And so they were interviewing people like Mark Sisson and Lauren Bourdain mm. and Rob Wolf. Um, and everything that they were all talking about just made so much sense to me. Um, and so I, I decided to, to give their recommendations a try and, um, you know, after about a week um, I was completely sold on that eating approach. So wow. basically I had 
had asthma for 26 years of my life, wow. which I was ma- managing with medication and I thought it was going to be something that I'd have to, to live with and manage forever, you know. Mm. Um, and within a week, it it just totally went and you know five years later or so and it just it hasn't been around since so that was huge for me mm. um i was like why would i you know why would i eat any other way and mm. um so you, you don't know, this you don't of, think it's a fad then <laughs> I, <laughs> well if it if it's a fad it's a it's a really long fad <laughs> you know i'm only joking um, <laughs> i know i know um me too me too um you know this really allowed me to to truly experience the the medicinal effects of food so um and in addition to that i i almost also had so much more energy and didn't have a need for afternoon naps anymore. Um, my skin cleared up a lot and I stopped getting colds and flus. And so, you know, once I started getting all these results, I've just never gone back from there. And, you know, my the way I sort of approach eating has changed over time. But, um, yeah, it was really, really imperative for me. Um, and so now where my story fits in with sleep is um, probably about sometime in 2012, um, you know, all of a sudden I started waking up at 3 a.m. every night and I had no idea why it was happening, what was going on, and hmm. I just I couldn't figure out if there was some kind of trigger or not. Um, but what I ended up doing was um, I suppose the same way that I educate myself with food and all the other lifestyle aspects of health, um, I also just started to educate myself about sleep and I, I did loads of research and I ended up implementing, you know, practically every single sleep hygiene strategy you could think of um, that's recommended. And, um, you know, I was still not able to fix my sleep. And then I ended up, you know, seeing a a naturopath and I did like a few different types of tests, you know, related to adrenal function and um, even, you know, stool tests for parasites and gut dysbiosis tests and, you know, just tried countless different supplements and protocols. And it was kind of like this. I just couldn't get to what was was going on and what the underlying cause was and um you know even though I was able to address a few other things that showed up in tests yet still didn't really fix my sleep and so you know in the meantime I um while I was trying to figure out the underlying cause I I tried different things such as acupuncture and chiropractic and meditation and um you know different Chinese medicine herbs and just other sleep nutrient supplements and and what I also did was I just made sure that I didn't stress about my issue because I know that that would make things worse as well and, you know, add more stress to my body um, in addition to what was I was already experiencing through poor sleep. So I ended up seeing a couple of other practitioners and um, it wasn't until I started looking actually into heavy metals um, because that was something that I hadn't really looked into yet um, along the way. And so I actually found a functional medicine doctor that specialised in this Um and I just, I just decided, you know what, like I've tried everything else. Um, I know it's probably going to be more expensive, but, um, you know, if it helps fix my sleep, it's, you know, it's well worth the investment. So um, what ended up happening was I did some, you know, a hair mineral analysis test for heavy metals and I did a few other different types of tests to sort of help him get a more general idea of what was going on um, as a whole picture of me and, and the state of my health and, it, found, it actually turns out that um, 
I was overloaded in some of the key heavy metals um, that can actually disrupt and, and cause a cascade effect in interrupting so many different pathways and organ systems in the body and mm. enzymatic processes that affect gut health and liver detoxification and, yep. you know, factors that relate to the sleep pathway. So that um, it's a work in progress for healing at the moment. Isn't all um, healing. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. And um, you know, I, I've been doing it for about a year now and I have seen some steady progress. So it's, mm. you know, still a, a, a work in progress, but um, I'm not getting perfect sleep yet, but I'm, I'm definitely on my way there. So that's kind of how it all ties together in terms of sleep. I'm interested in the, the testing. Sorry, what testing was it that you got done? Yeah. Okay. Well, I've actually, there's a lot. So um, I did a, an adrenal hormone profile. So it measured things like cortisol and DHEA levels. Um, I did, yeah, so still tests for parasites. Mm-hmm. Um, I did amino acid and neurotransmitter tests, um, liver detoxification profile as well, um, melatonin and adrenal hormone profile. Um and then hair mineral analysis and, um, yeah, just and probably quite a naturopath, you said? Yeah. So through a naturopath and through a functional medicine yeah. doctor. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. So, so why, Lucy? Why is it so important that you get, like, this good quality sleep? Like, you spend so much time and effort and money onto getting, like, your sleep fixed. What's, it, what's so important about it? Yeah, well, look, I think that sleep... Um, doesn't get enough airtime when it comes to our health. You know, a lot of us are focused mostly on food and and movement, which is obviously a great place to start. But I think um, just sort of knowing what I know and learning what I've learned about sleep, I feel like it's probably up there um, with importance. So, you know, when we're going through life as as a human, um, you know, just being awake and doing things um, throughout the day, um, that's basically a catabolic state. So our bodies are breaking down. Um, and when we go to sleep and we have proper high quality sleep, that's an anabolic state. So we're repairing our cells and our bodies are being, uh, you know, built back up and tissues and muscles and organs are being repaired. And so, and lots of other things are happening too. I mean, there's, um, you know, specific hormones being released at certain times. So such as like human growth hormone and, um, you know, different types of sex hormones and, and and things like that. So you can imagine that, you know, you if you don't get good quality sleep, you're missing out on all these repair processes and specific things that are, that are meant to happen that we were designed um, to get while we get good quality sleep. So I think we were born to sleep as much as we were born to be awake. Mm. Um, yeah, and so... Um, other key things that happen is, you know, your, your immune system is strengthened. Um, you know, there's energy production processes that go on. Um, you know, there's brain function processes that go on. And so there's memory consolidation, you know, short-term memories turn into long-term memories and can go on and on and on. But, yeah, so that there's actually a lot more than just kind of laying down and, you know, lying there for for eight to ten hours um there's a lot that goes on your body's working hard while you're sleeping <laughs> yeah yeah exactly actually for one we we were talking about this yesterday um you know like mentioning like when you start to come down sick and you can feel it coming on I know for me if I go straight to bed I'm much more likely to shake it off than if I go no I'll just keep soldiering on and then I get worse 
much worse, um, like a flu or something, than if I just go to bed as soon as the first sign of sickness. And um, so that's generally what I try and do. Um, it really helps with your immune system, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah for sure. Like it, it feels to me like like yesterday actually I was starting to, to go downhill and I went to bed. Was it yesterday or yeah. before? I can't really remember. It's all blurred now because yeah. of the book. But uh, <laughs> I was starting to, to read it. Like my, my brain wasn't working and I, I felt fluey and I thought oh, I've got to go to bed. And I went really like maybe at four o'clock or something and I took a two hour sleep and then I went back to bed at around 9.30 and uh, woke up the next day absolutely fine. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's a lot that happened happens like yeah we'll, we'll get into this with lucy but you know we've got a process called autophagy as well which is um maybe lucy can uh, elaborate a bit more about that but it's where our body gets rid of all these cells that sort of like um are no longer necessary in directing directing its energy to keeping these cells alive and during sleep it sort of kills off all those unnecessary cells and just redirects the energy to the processes that are important in the body and when we sleep like if our immune system is compromised we'll sleep and a lot more energy will be given given to the immune system to allow to, to allow our bodies to heal and it's just like normal like every time we get like a cold or a flu our natural instinct is to stay in bed it's not to go yeah. and sort of walk around and jump and do things and take codrill and that yeah. kind of stuff like the you know yeah, yeah society says just pop a pill and keep going yeah yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, it's yeah, it's not doing us any favors. No. So, so this is sleep. I mean, is all sleep created equal? Um, no, definitely not. So, um, for me, what I've come to realize is that the quality of your sleep is what's um, probably first and foremost really important. So, you know, we have this recommendation in society. I think everyone's probably heard it by now, you know, get eight hours of sleep a night, at least eight hours. Um, yeah, but I think what that recommendation misses out on is actually emphasising the quality of um, that time in bed as well mm. um, because there is a large difference between, um, you know, someone that maybe has six hours of sleep and they sleep all the way through the night and, you know, they, they get that, um, you know, optimal repair happening and, all the different, you know, processes are, are completed effectively um, and that kind of thing. And then, you know, they wake up refreshed and they're, they're ready to start the day and they feel great and they're clear-headed. And then versus someone that maybe, you know, has eight to ten hours but of interrupted sleep, yeah. um, you know, and they keep waking up or they can't, you know, they have trouble falling asleep. Um, and then, you know, they feel cranky in the morning and they're lethargic and, you know, they kind of maybe need coffee or something to get through the day. So there's a huge difference between um, quantity versus quality for sure. Yeah. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think that quality is is the missing link to, to that recommendation. So for basic people who aren't really dealing with specific sleep issues, like let's say for me, I'll go to bed like, I don't know, say 10 o'clock or something like that, and I'll pretty much sleep through the night and I'll, I'll wake up the next day. Um, yeah. But sometimes my uh, sleep feels more restful than others, and I'm not really sure why. Um, and, you know, with, with that kind of fluctuation that happens, it feels like it's somehow related to my lifestyle. Like it feels related to what I've done during the day that affects the quality of my sleep. So what is it that sort of affects sleep quality in people who, who aren't, like, for instance, dealing with heavy metals or those more yeah. uh, difficult issues that you're dealing with? Yeah. So, I mean, look, there's a few things. And the first thing that I think is probably really common um, 
in our world is that of technology use um, close to bedtime. Um, so, you know, whether that's, you know, being on your computer or your phone or even watching TV. So um, all our devices actually emit a blue light frequency. And what we've um, come to, to know now is that um, the blue light actually uh, is detected by a nerve pathway in the brain through the, the retina and the eye um, where our circadian rhythms or our internal body clocks are regulated and it actually can affect um, our melatonin production and, and affect the quality of our sleep. So, for example, um, uh, I suppose what I mainly mean is that our bodies don't know whether it's nighttime or daytime anymore. So that blue light is kind of like a, an artificial sun, if you, if you like. So when your body is exposed to that blue light at nighttime, your body actually thinks that it's, um, you know, daytime because of the blue light. And so what ends up happening is um, it's kind of artificially releasing hormones like daytime hormones at the wrong time of day and, um, you know, cortisol and melatonin have an inverse relationship. So when you're in the evening and you're supposed to be producing melatonin, um, that blue light exposure can actually um you know, increase your cortisol, which therefore decreases your melatonin. And so that's when people can either have, you know, sort of very, um, you know, inadequate sleep and maybe just wake up and a bit unrestful and, and you know, not sleep all the way through the night. Um, yeah, and look, there and there are also people that can do that. Like I'm, there's definitely a lot of people that will sit on their screens like right before bed and then be able to... to to fall asleep no problem but that's me. um <laughs> oh wow you're lucky i always say not to do um, it but but i must admit if i do it it just i just go straight to sleep anyway yeah wow mm. yeah i mean look there's a lot of people that can for sure but um it, it's possibly not going to be the deep restorative mm. sleep that you could get yeah um without that so i mean there's, there's before we move to that i just uh, yeah. want to Sort of talk a little bit about that blue light, and I, yeah. I know a bit about the blue light and the red light frequencies. Can you just explain to our listeners a bit about um, these two different types of light and um, like how how they are sort of affecting us from an ancestral perspective? What we evolved to actually be around as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so I mean, historically, as as humans of the natural world, we would have. Um, you know, gone to sleep just after dark, so with the moon, um, and then, you know, we wake up with the sun. So that's just kind of like the natural light and dark cycles of, of the sun and the moon, and that's what our bodies have naturally evolved to, to respond to. Um, and, you know, we've also naturally evolved with, um, you know, light on the orange spectrum, as you mentioned, so whether it's candlelight, fire, um, starlight and moonlight so those types of things don't actually affect us um, that's yeah that's what we've kind of naturally adapted with um, so if you see like uh, lights on the orange spectrum like say candlelight or um, you know starlight and moonlight then what well, our melatonin release isn't affected is that what happens it, uh, it's yeah apparently it's not effect, affected at, at all because that's what it, it's actually the blue light that stimulates um, the nerve pathway in our brain, the, the 
superchiasmatic nucleus, which is um, doesn't have a response from the orange or the red light. Yeah. Right. So if there, there's blue light, which is only the light wave that we typically used to see during daytime, and it would go away at nighttime when the blue light was there, and what's still we're still using that through the technology during the day, then what we're saying here is that uh, our melatonin is being suppressed from being released at a certain point uh, during the evening, which means that our sleep will mo most likely be disrupted and off be of lower quality. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, okay. that's right. Because, you know, like when you, when you see a sunset, so, you know, the, the sky is blue during the day and you're getting a lot of like that blue light from the sun, but that's, that's nat natural. So when you witness... A sunset you're not actually witnessing the sky turning orange or yellow or red you're actually witnessing the removal of that blue light and that's nature being super intelligent and because that's what we need to do to kind of to get ready for for sleep so we need to be exposed to that um or not be exposed to that blue light so. yep. yeah so it gets filtered out during the sunset and then our bodies are getting ready for nighttime. yeah it makes a lot of sense. Fantastic. Yeah, All right. So yeah. that's that's one big aspect of it, which is controlling our melatonin release. What well, you were you were about to talk about something else when I interrupted? Um oh, I think I was just gonna say in terms of the blue light, so there are ways to pr protect against that. Um so these days I think you would you guys are probably know, so you can install apps on your phone and also your laptop and computers yeah, that actually that. turn yeah, so that turn your screen to orange. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, he he told me about it as well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a super good strategy for you know. Look, you better mention there will which be one it is for people. Oh, oh, sorry. So that's um. So F dot Lux for um your laptop or your computer, and then on your smartphone. Um, I know. I think if you just type in blue light filter. You should be able to find a few different ones there. Um, iPhones now have a built-in feature called yeah. Night, oh, do they? Night Shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's called okay, Night that's Shift. And, and that's yeah. Like, uh, six o'clock or so, it starts taking out yeah. the blue light from your phone. Oh, that's is, good. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Because um, the Samsung, the um, smartphones, they've got um, one called Twilight. So that's another one. And then I know there's a few others on there too. Um, so that helps a lot. Because I know, look, there's going to be a lot of people that will still maybe need to work after dark and mm. and um, have their devices. Have, so that's, when you have kids yeah. all it's day, worth, it's worth talking about <laughs> this, this working after dark. Because um, one thing that, like, I remember reading a study a few yeah. years ago, just for fun, when it was talking about, um, you know, how there was a higher incidence of uh, tumorous cancers in shift workers uh, and yes, I did uh, read people who about that. Yeah, yeah the, well, yeah. So this this is one of those things that like we we're seeing very very clearly people who are going to uh, bed opposite to the light cycles they start to see uh, massive uh, problems with their health like mm. it's just you know it becomes a direct correlation between their work pattern and the uh, incidence of uh, tumorous cancers. Mm, so this is really serious happen. stuff. It's, mm. Yeah, it's like really, really important for people to understand the quality and the uh, timing of sleep, like how important it is. So this was just 
an interjection for me to sort of bring home to people to, to focus on this conversation and sort of really take it seriously because it is mm. a massive deal for us. Like even, even for me now, like most of the time, unless I'm going out, I'm in bed by 9.30, 10 o'clock at the latest. Mm, and yeah. uh, it's so important. But um, yeah, yeah, so go, sorry, go on, Lucy. Yeah, and I was just going to say, just to piggyback on that, so there are actual studies out there talking about the link between the circadian rhythms being off. So, for example, when maybe um, you, you use those blue light devices and then sort of throws out your circadian rhythms because you, your body's, um, you know, confused and sort of not really knowing what time of day it is and linking that circadian mismatch to different types of cancer. So, you know, very similar to what you mentioned. Um, so it is, yeah, it's definitely a really serious thing. And, and I think that, um, you know, for, for people out there, like if you've got your food and your, your movement strategies in um, and you're looking for, you know, the next level of, of health, that sleep mm. is probably the next best place to, to go. Definitely super important yeah it's so funny because we sort of begrudge sleep but like i've never seen someone go i've had a great night's sleep and like i'm, <laughs> I'm upset with myself now <laughs> like, you know like everyone yeah oh, i love yeah. sleep i get to bed and i'm just like oh bed <laughs> i know i think i well i think it's part of the way our modern society is set up now you know so you know there's late night social activities and then there's like the business and entrepreneurial world and there's you know, people have kids and mm. just so much of it. So I think it's we've nice kind of. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Once you have kids, everything makes it, it just makes sleep so much harder. Yeah, gets, yeah, absolutely. It gets better as they get older. Yeah, and I think I think maybe people also don't realize, you know, you know the the importance of it. Um, in that, you know, a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm a night owl." You know, I mm. I do best at night, and I'm the most productive then, but Actually, a thought I had quite recently after just thinking about that term night owl is that if humans were designed to stay up all hours of the night, we probably would have evolved with some kind of mechanism or adaptation that allowed us to see in the dark, right? So, but we don't. Like, we we need these external sources of light to see, which, as we just mentioned, So, obviously, it's not natural. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, from that point of view, yeah, I think... um, yeah, it sort of highlights the importance of it. Well, that's a, that's a great example. Like, you know, we do, like, we'll be using the LED lights in our phone these days to be walking around in the dark. So that's yeah. more, more, more blue light as well. Mm, All right, yeah. so uh, so that the, the light is one aspect. I know there, there's tons of things as well that you can sort of look after with your sleep. What's another one, Lucy? Okay, well, I mean, probably the the time of... Like, so you mentioned before that you maybe go to bed at 9.30 or 10. So another important factor is that um, going by our circadian timing, um, the the deepest, most restorative hours of sleep are actually between 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. So that's when you get like... Um, oh, I'm going too late. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you know what? Like... Um, getting at least part of that is a good place to start, you know, between those hours. So um, especially in, you know, in modern society these days, but that's where a lot of like the maximum repair happens and, you know, um, lots of human growth hormone and um, 
uh, autophagy, as you mentioned before, throughout and, and cellular repair and, and, yeah, just lots of different hormones being released for specific functions to happen at specific times. So you can imagine that if you don't sort of maximise that time, you're going to miss out on, on a lot of those things not being um, performed efficiently and effectively. So, look, I because I, sleep is a priority for me, I sort of go between 9 or 9.30 when I'm not out. Um, so that's, yeah. So that's probably. in bed or asleep? Well, so I probably, uh, probably about asleep by, yeah, asleep. So I might start winding down around 8.30 um, and then sort of get ready to get into bed and I'm sort of, you know, preferably being asleep by 9 or 9.30. Wow. That's just me though. That, that works for my life. What lifestyle. time do you wake up in the morning? Well, um, at the moment, probably about four mm. or five. It just depends. So, because I'm still working on this sleep issue, but mm. that that kind of allows me because I'm sort of waking up a bit earlier to get a bit more of that sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, but I suppose as in a general sense, for a lot of people, it's not going to be really realistic to do that. So, mm. you know, ten p.m. might be a good place yeah. to aim, but even if you're someone that Maybe you go to bed at you know one or two a.m. Um, maybe just as a as a start, maybe you could just look into you know going to bed an hour earlier than that and working your way backwards if you can. Mm. Um, and also, I think just start thinking about um, like you know if if your health is is a priority for you, then sleep has got to be one yeah. of those things that's a you just have to, to work on. Yeah, and it doesn't. Yeah. It's like anything with health; it doesn't happen quickly you've got it your body's got to get used to it you just have to work on it do you find I know for me if I um can't get to sleep or I wake up in the middle of the night or something which doesn't happen very often but um I'll just lay really really still on my side and I'll just keep reminding myself resting is is good too you know I think like you said earlier um you can get so worked up with the stress of I'm not sleeping I need to go to sleep what can I do to get to sleep why can't I go to sleep that it makes it worse But if you just I, lo- I love this idea of like relax. We need to. We want to be able to do something. Yes, do it now. Do like <laughs> like you know, how, how am I going to do something about sleep? Like I'm going to consciously sleep. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to beat myself up sense. until I go yeah, to sleep. Like, how, like, <laughs> I'm going to go for a run so I can sleep. Like how would you do it? Like it just happens naturally. <laughs> I know my. I know. It's, it's my not fit. something you can force. Yeah. Um, I know. Isaac but yeah, it's, is. It's, he he has trouble with sleep he's ocd and he has different issues that he's and anxiety which we've worked through a lot but the sleep is not perfect yet and he just takes a long time to get to sleep at night and i just tell him you've just got to rest let your body completely relax and just lay there with your eyes shut and that will still be helping your body to you know rebuild cells and things it's still good for you and you will fall asleep easier if you do that so I don't know, is that right? I hope. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I do. Like if I do, um, you know, wake up, I think it's all, it's still also good to kind of keep your body rested and because you do need that time to just to recharge anyway. And even if you're, if it means you're not sleeping, yeah, exactly what you said. I think that rest is important anyway because we're always doing things. Like we're, we, you know, we're awake for so many hours of the day that, you know, rest is important even if it's not sleep. Yeah, that's but, right. Yeah. 
Can I just ask what yes. you think of? Sorry, Brad, I keep interrupting. No, that's <laughs> one, a, no, one more question. Um, what do you think of afternoon naps for people who yeah, have so, sleeping at night? Yeah. Um, so I think um, as long as it's not too close to bedtime, mm, yeah. Um, you know, a quick maybe twenty minute or thirty yeah. minute nap w- would probably be fine because you know you you can sort of get that quick recharge mm. and you feel better. Sometimes you know people's energy dips in the afternoon or yeah. you know they're tired for whatever reason. So I think as long as it's not too close to bedtime, because what what can happen is if you're you know you're having a sleep too late, it'll probably be a lot harder for you to get to mm. sleep when it is actually time to go to bed because yeah. just because of your circadian rhythms and everything because what happens when you're sort of in the evening as the sun's going down and um you know the moon the moon's out there and everything um your body starts to uh, produce melatonin um in preparation for for you to go to sleep by the the natural light and dark cycles so you can kind of um, I suppose affect or interrupt that that natural pattern if, just, you, if you try and do that. Uh, too late. I remember yeah. reading something about this uh, myself. They, someone was studying, I think, hunter-gatherer tribes and their sleeping patterns. And what they noticed was during winter, when the days are shorter, there was no afternoon naps. And mm-hmm. then as the days became longer in summer, there was uh, they started sleeping at around like three o'clock or something like that, taking small naps because mm-hmm. the days were longer. It was too hot to actually go out and do anything. See, and they would just rest and have like, a bit of a longer kind of you know, like the siesta in Spain and Mexico, yeah. you know, you, that's something they've done for how that's, many of a years? Yeah. yeah. Usually following a couple of glasses of wine, though, like that's the... That's yeah, the after lunch, you reckon. Siesta, yeah. But, you know, when, yeah, you'll have lunch and it's carb heavy and there's a bit of alcohol, then you, you're going to feel sleepy. Well, I, I know, like, siestas were common place in Lebanon growing up, but that was, yeah, just like after big lunches and family get-togethers, everyone go to sleep because they had a bit too much to drink. Um, but, I think with yeah. kids, like when I was when my kids were tiny, I always had an afternoon nap, even if it was just twenty minutes. And for probably ten or fifteen years, I did that, and that was the only way I could cope to get enough sleep. But that really helped. Just that twenty or thirty minutes got me going again. Huh. For sure, these are yeah. like mm. circumstances that are you know like great, like you have four kids and they're exhausting mm. you. You mm. get you get your sleep where you where you can. I but think you know what's funny once I once I did the gaps diet and changed how I ate, I guess the carbs and all that kind of stuff were yes. less. Um, I didn't need my afternoon nap anymore. Yeah, yeah this, well, uh, that's what I found too. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely a big thing. It's a common factor for all of us here. Mm. Like Lucy and I have spoken about this, Much but like more it's, it's common. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we like usually like if you're having a carb heavy lunch, then mm, your insulin exactly. will spike and then your blood sugar will drop. And then when it drops, your body starts worrying about reserving the blood sugar. So it gives you these kind of fatigue signals to go and rest so that it can, uh, you know, yeah, recover right. from the yeah, like it doesn't want you to actually do any activities. That, that was actually all my life was like yeah. that until I switched to a little diet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lucy, you, you talk uh, about sleep. Uh, creating like a sleep ritual or sleep practice. Um, can you uh, can you elaborate on this topic? It's really interesting to me and sort of like um, we you seem to have uh, sleep as a big priority in your life and uh, you've created practices around that. And it would be really interesting to share with our listeners what sleep practice is and what it looks like. Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, Probably the first thing to start off with is um, 
you know, creating that intention around sleep being a practice because I think we we kind of create practices around a lot of other things but but not so much sleep. So, you know, you kind of get that um, neural wiring in your brain, you sort of set that intention um, and, you know, when we're getting ready for sleep, we we want to try and do things that are not so stimulating. So you want to be able to wind down and, you know, you get your body into a parasympathetic rest and digest state. Um, you know, so, I mean, whether it's, it's going to be different for different people and, and what works for different people, but, you know, whether it's something like a meditation or you're taking a bath or, um, you know, I mean, it, maybe even... Um, reading, reading a book, um, you know, those types of things can really, really, really help. But um, a couple of other things that um, are probably like good strategies if, if you wanted me to talk about that is um, temperature of the, the room that you're sleeping in is also mm. an important factor too yeah. because when your body is um, getting ready for bed, so what it will also do is um, a process called thermoregulation. So it's probably yeah i mean maybe around sort of eight or nine p.m or, or thereabouts where your body will start to decrease in temperatures in preparation for you to be able to sleep and um if you're sleeping in an environment that's too hot that can obviously yeah you know impact that so um i think uh ideal temperature is probably around about 15 or mm. or 18 degrees um but obviously you can you can put your blankets on and everything like that but the actual environment that you're sleeping in is yeah is a good thing to think about um if you're someone that uh lives in the city environment where you might have um you know artificial light maybe coming into your bedroom from maybe a a street lamp or a neighbor's house or whatever it is um something that i found really useful and i've actually noticed a difference when i don't have this is putting blackout sheets over my window Mm, um and so that can just be a cheap bed sheet you know it doesn't have to be anything fancy um and actually just blocking and and even if you need to use tape or however you want to you know put it around your your um your window what that does is that yeah that will help block that artificial light and quite often a lot of people will find that they can have a much more restful sleep um but if you're someone that doesn't have that artificial light like maybe you've just got the moonlight and the starlight. It's not a problem. Those types of things, as I mentioned before, are not a problem, so you don't necessarily need to do that. But blocking the artificial light from your into your room is, is definitely important because the other thing to note is that our skin actually has photoreceptors. So even if your maybe your eyes are covered, your eyes are closed or hmm. that kind of thing, your skin can actually detect light. That's um, interesting. And so, yeah. And so there was actually a study done where they had someone in a, a pitch black room, you know, couldn't see your hand in front of your face, mm-hmm. and they shined a light on the back of their knee, and that was enough to uh, raise their core body temperature and their cortisol and decrease wow. their melatonin production. Um, yeah, and so that's really fascinating yeah. in itself because it just kind of shows that, yeah, our bodies are you can detect, yeah, a so lot the, of things like that. The pillow over your head may not be the best, like it might not really work. <laughs> <laughs> it does help sometimes in the day, I must Yeah, admit, maybe. For the 20-minute nap. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe if you want, yeah. 
No, but that's awesome. interesting. Um, I think we're coming up to an hour, so uh, right. maybe we there's so much more to talk about. Maybe we'll do another part yeah. on sleep. And um, in, in the meantime, Lucy, do you want to tell us about your website, how to get to it and what to expect when we get there? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is reconnected.me. Um, and I basically have a lot of different whole food recipes up there. Um, I've got a four-part sleep nutrition series as well um, as talking about my own sleep journey and issues too. So I, I pretty much put that up there because I know that um, there's probably but it would be a lot of other people that are in a very similar boat where they just don't get, um, you know, the proper kind of sleep and they don't know what's going on or, or how to, to figure out um, how to improve it. And so there's there's a lot of that on there. Um, and then I just write about a lot of different types of lifestyle things as well. And, I, um, you know, there's, there's uh, societal observations that I write about and, and, you know, some spiritual things and some philosophical things. It's kind of like a... Yeah, no, no, an all-encompassing um, lifestyle website. So, yeah, you can definitely get me over there. And then I'm reconnected.me as well on Instagram. Okay, and not on Facebook. Fantastic. Uh, that's a work in progress. It's okay. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah. It's got too so much blue up. on it, the Facebook. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> a lot of blue. It's true. Yeah. It sucks <laughs> you in too at night What's when you're supposed to be going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, um, and I guess maybe next time if you guys wanted to, because I've actually got some interesting information about sleep as it relates to gut health, um, which that would be cool. especially for you guys, you guys with gaps and everything. Um, mm. Yeah, we can talk about that and, yeah, and other that things because, as you said, yeah, there is there's so much you could talk about and really could talk about it for days. So. Yeah, yeah we will definitely do that then. We'll yeah. do the sleep for gut health and uh, focus on the gut health aspect. I'm still pretty interested in because I get so many questions in the gut health group um, about sleep. A lot of times it's when kids are detoxing on early gaps um, and their sleep is terrible. Um, mm. I'm interested in the whole, like a lot of times they do have heavy metals issues mthfr and all this kind of thing going on so yeah that's quite fascinating that it could be related to that maybe the pathways are not really going too well maybe yeah i mean there's probably a few things but also the other key thing is that um so you've got in your sleep pathway you've got serotonin which is the precursor to melatonin and about 90 percent of your serotonin is made in the gut so Mm. if your gut is not functioning well or there's an imbalance yeah um it could definitely impact sleep but yeah i do see a lot of people once they've um reached a level of healing with their gut they just are amazed with the sleep changes so yeah we'd love to hear some more about that maybe we can um also let everyone know if you've got any questions on sleep let us know and we'll pass them on to lucy so that'll give us some more um, things for her to answer for us awesome yeah. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks, guys. Well go and have Thanks a look at go and have a look at your site and have a look at all your stuff on sleep there too. That'll be great. Don't do it at night, just during the daytime. Yeah, in the daytime. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. Sure. Awesome. Thanks, Chelsea. guys. Bye. Bye. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.